Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Before we get into this week's show, I want to tell you guys about something. Something our more fashionable friends already know. And I'm talking about Click Tees. The unique shirts that Click Tees offers reaches deep into the nostalgia of the hottest band in the world. With designs like the Demon's first stage shirt, the Rock Skull, the Catman's Cadillac Michigan jacket, the Black Cat, the Spaceman's very first stage shirt, Eagle Wings, and the Phantom of the Park-inspired Talisman Tee. Plus, great friends of the show, the Ryan Cook, Jeremy Asbrock, Phil Souse-inspired Talisman. And in these crazy times, who wouldn't feel better wearing a face and neck covering featuring Eric Carr? I'm not sure where else you're going to find one, but Click Tees has got you covered, literally. Speaking of Eric Carr, you've got to check out the shirt called The Hunter. It's amazing. With over 30 imaginative designs, these t-shirts will certainly grab the attention of all like-minded rockers that you meet. It's like wearing a cool detector. As awesome as Click T's shirts are, they also have products like mugs, hats, necklaces, pillows, socks, stickers, guitar picks, and more. And I know I speak for Chris when I say we are also very happy to announce that Click Tea Shop is now your home for Decibel Geek swag. So head on over to ClickTeaShop.com and get you or someone you love a Decibel Geek t-shirt and check out all the other cool stuff that Click Tees has to offer. That's Click Tees with a K. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Zinzak and Aaron Cameron. They still won't let us hang out together. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. We're finding a way through the quarantine sessions, and this is Volume 7. My name is Aaron Camaro, joined as always by my main man. He's not in a car this week. It's Chris Zinzak. Yeah, they let me come indoors this time. <laughs> Good boy, good boy. <laughs> Sounding good. How are you? No, we're good. Just camped out in the bunker here. Yeah, same here. 
So we're going to continue the quarantine sessions today. You guys get the gist of this by now. Basically, what we're doing is we can't hang out together. So Chris is at his house. I'm at my house. We have a special guest, a good friend of the show on with us. And we go through and answer listener questions. And, man, you guys have been so good about this. So awesome with the questions. I mean, seven weeks. And I'm seeing great questions in the list today. And we're going to have a lot of fun talking about a lot of different things in the world of hard rock and metal music but you know us also we got to take care of our business before we get to all that and our business is itunes reviews pod chaser reviews facebook recommendations whatever you want to do you don't got to pay us we do this show for free so here's a perfect example of that we had such a great one last week i out the challenge and i said who who's going to top this well our main man david kathy our good friend, our rockin' pod buddy from right here in Nashville, right? Yep. Yeah, our homeboy even. He's left us an amazing review. It's called Your Fix for All Things Rock and Metal. It's five stars, and here it is. Hey, people, if you're into hard rock and heavy metal and looking for that one podcast that gives you everything, then look no further than Decibel Geek. Chris and Aaron have been giving the podcasting world some of the greatest episodes. They know their stuff inside and out. So if you're looking for that podcast, this is the one. Great interviews, lots of laughs, timeless news, and some album reviews. And hell, they might even teach you something you didn't know with new noise. It's always an adventure in the world of rock and metal, and Chris and Aaron will give you what you want. They are top-notch, and they are also pretty cool guys, I have to say so myself. So come on, join Chris and Aaron and Decibel Geek. You won't be disappointed. Two in a row, man. Those are fantastic. David, Kathy, you are the coolest, dude. Very nice. I appreciate that, David. Always wow. good to see you at uh, Rock and Pod every year, and uh, hopefully we'll see you in 2021. Yeah, and at the Kiss concerts and at the Ace Fraley shows and everything cool that happens in Nashville, those are the times we get to hang out with David Cathy. Yep, that was a great review. Thanks so much. Keep them coming, guys. We really appreciate the reviews a lot, and ones like that just kind of blow me away in the fact that we've been doing this so long and we've made such great friends over the years, and now we're able to have friends on as guests on the quarantine sessions, and man, it's cool. So if you want to leave us a review or a recommendation, try to top that. I dare you. <laughs> oh, man, quarantine sessions, they've been great. People have been digging it. They dug last week's show. It was a big tie in the Beat the Geek contest. And Baco was the man. He stood right up to you, and people loved it. People talking about the quarantine sessions? Yeah, I've seen a lot more feedback this past week than we had before, so it seems like it's a keeper. Long live the quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. We were, you know, we were, as we had the issue with Spotify a couple of months ago, we had talked about kind of shifting the way we do things into more of a more of a talk about music rather than music stuff. And uh, this whole quarantine thing kind of just forced our hand and we've just sort of adapted to it. And, you know, there's some other things we're going to try out as we get go forward, but uh, I think it's, it's worked out pretty well. You know, it's definitely a different type of show than what we used to do, but I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, me too. And a lot of people are enjoying it. And the people that especially enjoyed last week's episode with our good buddy Baco from Cobras and Fire, they went out, they shared it, they retweeted it. And that's why they are geeks of the week. 
Yeah, Geeks of the Week this week are Carlos Enriquez, the ABC's of Rock podcast, Joseph Capone, Mick Watkins, Sit and Spin with Joe, Scott Krause, Trevor McDougal, Bach Oakovers and Fire podcast, Kristen Schimbeck, Shay Hargett, James McElhenney, Aaron Martell, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Mark Alden Taylor, Freeform Rock podcast, James West, Todd Cunningham, Simon Cat, Christopher Stokes, Craig Turdick, Mikhail Burrell, Mike Parnell, Gino Ames, Matt Ashcraft, Kenneth Roy, Aaron Baker, Steve, Bill Elam, Jeff Taylor, Ernesto Aguiar, Stephen Michael, J.J. Mack, Eladio, David, Kathy, and as always, the Mooger Fooger. That's right. Those are all our great friends right there, the people that love the Decibel Geek podcast and just can't wait to tell all their friends about what's going on over here. You know, it's pretty cool to look at this list and see not only did Cobras and Fire podcast share it, and not only did Baco share it, Steve shared it, but you know who yes. didn't share it? <laughs> Our guest this week, the one and only Loose Cannon. Hello there. What's going on, buddy? I'm doing excellent. Thank you for asking, and thanks for the invite uh, on the show. I'm thrilled to be here. Very cool. It's awesome to have you on. Yes, yes. I know. Finally, I don't right? know if you recall this, but uh, about four years ago, on my travels from Florida to Denver, we actually planned on doing this in person, but then I was blocked by the traffic of Coachella and the Country Music Festival that day. <laughs> uh, you mean Bonnaroo. <laughs> Bonnaroo, whatever. Yeah, Bonnaroo. <laughs> Douchebags all around. Yeah, that's right? true. It's tough. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not known for facts, just, you know, generalities. That's why you have fact bastard. That's correct. That's correct. But yeah, man. On the show, happy to hear see hear Baco on on it first. I, I let him go first, mostly because his ego. So, um, but um, <laughs> but now here I am. Very well, cool. Uh, We're going to answer a lot of listener questions today. We got a whole bunch of good ones. Can we just get rolling? Uh, let's see. Let me scroll on down to the question section, and we'll get rocking here. Oh, nice. We got we got some from Instagram again, huh? Yep. Starting to get a few more on there. All right, that's cool. I know people dig Instagram. Metal Mike, he swears by it. All right, first one, question right off the bat. It comes to us from Byron Chambers. He wants to know, which lyric is worse? The one Gene is always harassed for? I want to get on your case, put my log in your fireplace. Or Paul's, that never is mentioned. Love is sweet, so insane. Come on, lick my candy cane. I feel awkward just saying both of those things out loud. Uh, I mean, man. he's right. Nobody really ever mentions that other one, but it is equally as bad. Yeah, it's it, well, I don't know. I still think the fireplace thing takes the title. I don't know. <laughs> There's so no, many bad lyrics, though. This ain't no Christmas carol. <laughs> I got maybe log in your fireplace is a tad more clever than lick my candy cane. Yeah, just slightly. I don't know. I think I think it's more uh, a high concept song. He's actually you know like a lumberjack and he's around a fireplace. Yeah. What do you think? Yes. In that uh, case, they should have put that one on the elder. That's what I mean. <laughs> high concept, as in you'd have to be high to enjoy it. It's something like that. Yeah. I don't know. There, there's worse lyrics out there. I mean, even like True. I don't know if this is a worse lyric, but the whole. Gene doing a Fat Albert impression on the Love Him, Leave Him. You know, and he goes, my limo is awaiting. See you coming my way. Hey, hey, hey. That's horrible. I never made that connection, but you're right. You'll hear it. You'll hear it forevermore. Yeah. Okay. And then it's like he has Tourette's during that. There's also the like uh, part where he goes like, I'll see you between the hours of 10 and 2. How do you do? <laughs> 
It's like, that's, that song is ridiculous. <laughs> Even if it's like a rock and roll over, you better put, you better drop that needle after that song on side two. Because that's, uh, oof. Well, and, and, the, and he act, he's spazzing out like crazy all through the video. For oh, the song. video? He looks yeah, like a yeah. robot? I mean, that's somewhat wrong. He got dropped on the head in the studio that day. <laughs> the, no love for love them, leave them. No, oh, no man. love for love. Leave them, not love them. <laughs> Anyway. That's great. Well, we're off to so a I'm, hot I'm start. A, yeah, I'm, I'm, going with, uh, I'm going with the candy cane, though. I actually think that's worse. I think I so, too. I think I'm it pretty is sure, worse. Pretty sure Vinnie Vincent wrote that line, too. Yeah? Uh, mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> I don't want to know. All right, mm-hmm. let's just move on. <laughs> let's do it. Let's move on to the next, please. All right, here's another one from Instagram. Comes to us from Pisces with filters. If you could travel anywhere in the world, obviously not at the moment, where would you go? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go back home to Wisconsin for a visit. We were supposed to go up. Shoot, we'd be going up in a week, and everything got canceled. And we were all primed to go because it's been a long time since I see my brother and my dad and all my home people back in the North Woods, but. I was hoping to go, but that's where I would definitely be going. As soon as this is over and we can do it again, i got to replan that trip. What about you guys? Where do you want to go? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just say that to me this is kind of making up for a little bit from, from missing rock and pod. So I'll just keep it music-related. Once a year, I always do some kind of trip. It's been the expo, but also either a fest and things like that. So it would be anywhere where I was going to gather with friends, music, and, and having a good time would be my answer. Uh, I would say, I, you know, the last place I really went before all this happened was Kansas City to watch the Super Bowl with my old roommate and several thousand people downtown uh, in Kansas City to celebrate the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I'd probably go back there because I had such a good time. I'd like to go back and spend a few more days there. So that's my answer. I want to go to Rock and Pot also. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. No, I mean, uh, it is odd, though. Isn't it, isn't it odd just not having that the ability to go to a show? <laughs> Yes. Yeah, it sucks. Or, or looking forward to it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing kind of keeps you going. Like in three weeks, X is coming to town, right? Yeah. X I was never, never a fan of that band, but yeah. X, Y, Z band. Denver Zone. Yes, yes. But uh... <laughs> yeah, I miss going to shows. That's probably the first thing I'm going to do when I get out of here is finally go to a concert. I hope. In Missouri, like you said, right? That's well, yeah, I, I, I could go next week in Missouri if I wanted Who's going to that though? Nobody. Oh, <laughs> who's playing? Everybody. Okay. If, well, if it's Missouri, there's a good chance Jackal's playing. Oh, there you go. They're ready to roll. Yeah, yeah he's like, out the chainsaw right now. Yeah, when I lived in Kansas City, I think Jackal would play there like twice a year, and they draw so many people, it was crazy. <laughs> it's awesome. <sighs> That's just Jackal. That happens everywhere, I think. Yep, I've yet to see them. Amazingly, ah. They're awesome. I've heard. All right. Here's another one that comes to us from Instagram. This is really good. I like this. It's a head scratcher. Favorite solo album from a member of a band you like? For example, Tom Kiefer, The Way Life Goes, or Pound Hound with Doug Pinnock, Massive Grooves from the Electric Church of Funkadelic Grungeism, Rock Music. That's a tough one. Uh, Luce, yeah, what do you ahead. think, man? I was thinking Samantha Seven is one of mine for sure. If you would count that as like CC breaking away from poison. I know you're a fan of that album. What do you think? Oh yeah. That's a good one. I always like that's a good pop rock. Uh, 
I'll just no, this is a lazy answer. I'll just say John Karabi, the the acoustic album that he put out a few years ago. But I mean, he was part of Motley Crue. I don't know if that's a great answer, but I don't know. You go ahead. It's a great. It's a great album, though. Yeah, I love that album. Yeah, I mean, he recorded. How did was that just recorded in his house, pretty much too? And it sounds excellent. Actually, Aaron and I's friend Da Carcos, who was part of the show pretty early on, um, he produced and played on that album. So it was it was locally done here in in East Nashville, actually. Yeah, no, that's a great pick. The I love the the hooligans, the swampy version of Hooligans yes. Holloway. Yeah, that's cool. I, I like that one better than the original, actually. Yeah, it's a uh, that's phenomenal. Yeah, mine actually. I, I was stumped on this one, and then today, just on shuffle, the answer came to me, and that was I, when I heard um, uh, the first track of a Slash's solo album that he did with all the guest stars, Rockin' F and Roll, whatever it's called, as Ghost on it with the Cult and Ozzy and. Um, Jesus, everybody's on that album. But that's one of the few albums that, for me, works with all the rotation of uh, of, of singers. So I, I really enjoy that one, even though it, it led to him uh, picking Miles uh, Candy as the human dog whistle for his band. <laughs> <laughs> that's Baco's joke. He's probably going to yell at me. Yeah, he's stealing my material. <laughs> he had, it, he had he his invented, chance he to use everything. it last I'll week. Have it. I, like, uh, I like Jizzy Pearl's solo stuff after he left Love Hate. Um... I like the uh, the Tracy Guns album, The Killing Machine. I haven't pulled that on list to it in a while, but that's a pretty damn good album. And that's him after L.A. Guns. Ace Frehley stuff. Era. I don't know. It's it's tough. There's a whole bunch. But I do like that Pound Hound, that Doug Pinnock album. Yeah, and Ty Tabor did a, a thing called Jelly Jam that was pretty good from King's X. Right on. <sighs> Hound, Hound, and Jelly Jam. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Perfectly rated band names, right? Oh, yeah. We'll get to that in a little bit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> nice. All right, we got one more from Instagram. Comes to us from D Noonan5150. And he wants to know our thoughts on what he thinks is the best Jake E. Lee project ever, Badlands. Always loved it, especially the the first record. Good stuff. And Eric Singer's drumming is amazing on the second record, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I love that story. <laughs> I've never heard it. Any of it? None. Really? Never heard it. No. You know, as 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 a uh, as I like to be told, I rent my music on a monthly basis, streaming, and um, uh, or lease it or whatever. And that one's not available. And I just never got it back in the day. And you just you got to actually dig for it. So I didn't put forth the effort. But I've heard nothing but great things. You've heard the first one, though, right? Nope. Nothing. Even Dreams in the Dark, even the single? I, I haven't heard Dreams. No, I've never heard nothing. That's a right. song. You, you need to rectify this really soon. I, I understand that. I'm writing it down. <laughs> Write it down <laughs> right now. Badlands. <laughs> Chris Simzak, Dropbox, send link. Okay. It's uh. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it on YouTube, you know. That's <laughs> uh, so much work. I'm a man of convenience. Oh, God. No wonder Baco gets angry at you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if it's not right in front of me, shiny and easily clickable. Oh. You're, you're, you're such a millennial for a Generation <laughs> X person. <laughs> I really am, aren't I? <laughs> and, Luce, you're going to really love this, you millennial. We got some from Twitter also. Ooh, good. All right, so these will be I prefer, your favorites. I prefer TikTok. <laughs> Jesus. All right, John McGaffick wants to know, 
So we know about the big four of thrash, but who would be the big four of glam and sleaze rock? I'm thinking Motley Crue, Rat, Dockin, and... Hmm. Big four. Here's my question. Yeah, are, we, are we supposed to pick what our big four is on this? Do you think, yeah. or what do you think the the world would pick is the big should be the big four? With that, I, what I would think. I'm saying. I think he's saying because like the big four is already an established thing of thrash. Well, who would be? Yeah, yeah. Who should be the big four of glam rock? The three that he picked are good. I would probably just add poison to that list. Well, it's tough to interchange only four of them because Dokken really should go in there. And, you know, does Guns N' Roses fit into that? Yeah, I was just about to ask. Are Guns N' Roses considered sleaze rock? Exactly. That's kind of what I was – so in my – not this is not the, my my four, but the one I think the world would accept, like the big four, would be Guns N' Roses, Motley, Poison, and either Rat. Or if you're going by, you could actually push – could you push Def Leppard in there, even though they don't want to be associated with that? Yeah. Because if you're going by that, it could even be like Guns N' Roses, Motley, Def Leppard, Poison. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. By the that's math, I right. think that works. Yeah. I think that's that's probably the ultimate four right there. Well, you know, you gotta yeah. have you got to have Pretty Boy Floyd in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, no, you don't. no, you don't. No, you don't. I would put, see my big four would have faster pussycat in there. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of when I was putting my original no? list together. I was like, man, can you squeeze faster pussycat in there right. somehow? Exactly. So I do. I, I finally, uh, you know, Victor kind of called you out on uh, uh, on your possibly your ethics the other show, Aaron, but your game show being the judge and uh, and picker of questions, right? The jury. Yeah. <laughs> I have something even even easier though. Is that I think that that. The the beat the geek game though is that you you have so many questions up front that the guest has to drink and by the time he gets to the point of playing the game he's no way he's gonna beat he's gonna beat Sinzak. What do you think of that? Mm. Well, that would only work if Sinzak hasn't already been drinking for an hour. And I'm betting he has. Uh, Are you drinking today? I, actually, today I'm not. Oh, <laughs> see, knew it. That's part of the gamble. While we're on the Beat the Geek subject, before we get to it later today to the show, um, Aaron and I talked to Josh Toomey on the phone yesterday, and he brought up an interesting point. And I'm d- saying this to my own detriment, but he says it's a show that has 11 questions, and I'm always the one who gets to go first, so therefore I get an extra question, and that's probably unfair. But no they go to 11. I know. Oh, see? Yeah, that's right. The that's why it's Beat the it. Geek. I know. But should I try it? Should we let the guests go first to see no. if it makes a difference? No, that's why it's beat the geek. Okay, listen. All right, it works for me. Otherwise, Aaron, it'd be whatever. Aaron? That's that's the idea. It's supposed to be in your favor a little bit. Okay, that works for me. All right, <laughs> but you still lose and tie all the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Actually, you got a pretty good record if we we're keeping track so far. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but you've been doing pretty good. We'll I think see, I'm. We'll see what happens four, today. I'm like four one and one. I think. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Yeah, it's a hockey record. <laughs> <laughs> all, all right, right. here's a cool question. Well, actually, it comes to us from the Mooger Fooger, and he says it's an impossible question, but here it goes. What album would you consider perfect from start to finish? You wouldn't skip any tracks. You can only select one album. I'm going to have a, an obvious answer, and I'm honestly burned out on this record, but if I have to go song for song quality-wise, I 
don't see how you could not say Appetite for Destruction. I mean, it, it, that, there's not a bad song on that entire record, in my opinion. Man, but there's yeah. so many albums that are perfect albums. It's hard to narrow it down <laughs> just to one. Because at first I didn't realize, I didn't read it all the way through, and I didn't see Select Only One. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know, Tora Tora, Wild America. And oh, yeah. A couple I mean, of L.A. All- Guns albums and the first three Metallica. And, you know, I could go on and on and on with, you know. And, and it still is kind of rare that you get an album that if you were doing like I'm doing, where I'm listening to each album and then deciding which songs make the cut into my iPod, it's rare to have a perfect album. But there's plenty of them out there. With that said, all ten tracks from Asylum made your iPod. That is true. Mm. So I didn't leave nothing off Asylum. But there's stuff no, I leave off Crazy Nights. There's uh, nothing yeah. I left off of Animalize. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. What about uh, Make Bold Statements by Jesus Chrysler? Oh, that's all on there. (laughs) And the demo versions he sent me. Uh, Oh, good. Yeah, the demo versions. Oh, yeah, the the bonus deluxe version has 30 tracks on it. Good. Um, No, my answer actually is the same as as Chris's. It's uh, Appetite. I I thought about that, too, and and it's not like I don't listen to it that much, but I think if I listen to it, you know, 13 years old when it came out, it's perfectly sequenced. There's nothing going to change about it. You know, you can take your favorite album and be like, you know what? I wish that this would move around here. It's just, it's as is. It has everything you need. Yeah. All right. I think the next question is directly solely to Loose Cannon. I think you're right. It comes from Bill Elam. And he says, name three beers that actually are available at your local wine liquor outlet. Mm. Uh, this comes from we have this thing called Bias a Beer where we struggle with finding beers that people actually buy us uh, in two different cities. I record in Denver, Baco's in uh, St. Paul. Anyway, um, but uh, the quick answer is Coors Light in a, a bottle can in silo. <laughs> That's good. That's always good. I don't know how else to answer that one. I thought you were going to say like some kind of you know high gravity IPA, knowing your taste. Well, yes, I mean that will probably come up later. But uh, but I know a hundred percent I could always get Coors Light in some form uh, of of ounces, you know, right. some volume. That's what I'm yeah. drinking right now. <laughs> See, is that still the stuff left over from Rock and Pod? Yes. No. No. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I still have some of that in my fridge. Do you? <laughs> yes, and I've still got some of the Yingling that somebody brought over too. Wow. There's yeah. nothing better than expired Coors Light. Oh, I, I'm never going to drink it. It's just I, oh. I, I drink I drink IPAs. I don't oh, you drink. too. All right. Finally, see. Yeah. No, I can't stand like Coors and Bush and Bud. I just I hate it. Okay. You guys got to yeah. drink the fancy pants beer. That's well, right. I just I don't like to drink 13 beers to get a buzz. You know, I like to drink three. <sighs> three horrible tasting beers. <laughs> You drink Coors Light for the taste. And then when everybody else is still drinking, you're passed out and going, oh, God, those <laughs> were right. horrible. And, and, and uh, you know, Aaron's just got a slight grin on his face. He's mm. like, yeah. He's in the, he's in the, he's in the zone. I, I, I see it I'm for both sides. I do. Uh, it's more of an efficient use of my time, and I get more sleep that way. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the zone after 12 silver bullets. <laughs> 12. Holy shit! <laughs> but only on Rocket Pod weekend. <laughs> That's right. Yes, we ha- we've seen evidence of this. <laughs> Our basically thing was, hey, you can donate five, ten bucks, whatever you want, and then we'll review the beer in the show. We'll give you a, a shout out. But 
so we both have total wine, which do you have total wine down there? Yeah, no. we do. do okay, we? so we have they usually carry pretty much everything, but for whatever reason, they'll pick a beer and only one of us will have it, and then we'll have to get a substitute and a substitute. And it seems to be an ex it's not too much of a profit deal <laughs> because we end up having to buy, <laughs> you know, like six packs of stuff just to, to t- try one beer of some just and they're usually not good. They're like peanut butter porter or something. Oh like man. That, so so it yeah. gets uh we, we retired it or somebody will say go get uh uh, what's some malt liquor? Some horrible malt, like a uh, Colt Forty Five. Yeah, never had one of those, before, but I had one on the show. Mm. Yeah, I notice sometimes it seems like some people are purposely trying to pick stuff that you're going to hate. Oh yes, <laughs> so bad, so bad. So I just want to uh, see anyways. the guy from Denver drinking Colt Forty Five. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, it does not work every time. <laughs> nice. All right, well, that wraps up the Twitter section. I guess we can move on down to Facebook questions. we got a whole bunch of good ones there. Let's see. This one, you both picked Metallica as your favorite Big Four act, which leads me to question, what was wrong with your hi-fi systems in the 90s? Were you not able to play the first track on the albums? Kidding aside, please go back and dive into Wake Up Dead or Holy Wars and tell me those aren't the greatest achievements in the history of the genre. Thanks a bunch for a great show, especially during these strange days. That comes to us from Pontus Wittenmark. And, I mean, there's no Uh, denying those Megadeth albums, especially that stuff. I love the song Wake Up Dead and Holy Wars and so many other ones from the early albums. But, I mean, it's neck and neck with those bands, and I guess it always has been. Well, and I have to correct Pontus first because I didn't pick Metallica as my favorite. I picked Anthrax. Um, but I, obviously Metallica's had the most success. But And I love Megadeth. Don't get me wrong. I love a lot, of, especially the later day stuff. I like Megadeth way more consistently than I do Metallica. Yeah. But um, but I'm sorry. You're putting Megadeth, Megadeth up against you know Disposable Heroes, The Four Horsemen. I could name a Master of Puppets. I mean, they're... <laughs> Come on. Um, I don't know. But I still take Anthrax over them all, even though their catalog overall is probably weaker. I still like them the best. Yeah, I'll go I'll go with Pontus Wittenmark uh, with his, his love of Megadeth. And actually, my big four does go Megadeth, then Anthrax, then Metallica, then Slayer is mm-hmm. my order. And, that, and if you ask me back in the day, I probably would have said Metallica. But just over time, I've really gone back to those Megadeth albums more. But I have no credibility because I never heard Badlands. <laughs> <laughs> he writes them for us. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, what's the? Uh, that's a good. Thank, thank you for calling us out, Pontus. But uh, yeah. was there a question there? Except for uh, <laughs> were you not able to play the first track on the album? So that wasn't really a. That was not a form of the question. I think the question was, "What the hell's wrong with you guys?" Was, yeah, was I think the that's gist what it of was. it. Very long way of saying it. Uh, our, our wives ask us that every week. Yeah, yeah. but it yeah. usually doesn't involve Maggie Death. Yeah. Sorry, son, I can't play with you. I have to go downstairs on a beautiful day and, and talk about Kiss in the basement with two people from <laughs> out of town. Yeah. You'll understand when you're older. <laughs> That's right. So accurate. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Earl Inf, and he wants to know, why does Loose Cannon record shows in his car? Does his wife kick him out? Uh, <laughs> I would say that if this person has listened to our show, that's maybe, maybe 10 to 15 shows total ever. And now a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, sometimes when we do shows, I'm actually recording them 
during my lunch at work in the parking lot because <laughs> uh, that's the only time we could record. One of the times was when Baco called because he couldn't tell time or time zones or figure them out properly. And he said, hey, I'm sorry. Uh, can you interview Mike Tramp right now? <laughs> <laughs> I know how that goes. <laughs> and, I, oh, and I go, I go, uh, hold on. And I'm like, and I, and I just ran out to the car. I knew nothing about White Lion. And I, I was like thinking like, what a great end of my career. If I was busted out here in the parking lot. And they're like, they're like, yeah, we this, we had to fire this guy. He was interviewing the lead singer, White Lion. And it wasn't during his on real the break. Clock. <laughs> On the clock, so it's usually scheduling conflicts, or if it's an impromptu episode, like on the like uh, just random stuff. So no, I don't record all the show. You can hear the beautiful my beautiful home studio in here, the quality of this call, even. So no, Earl, that's why. That's awesome. That's something I didn't know about you. That's something you have in common with me. The fact that we're both thrown into last minute by ourselves interviews with Mike Tramp. And you also have something in common with Chris, whereas you guys are often known to record from your cars. I know. It's like some kind of Mandela effect moment or something. Wow. I did, that's the one that you that, – that, I remember that interview. That was like from five years ago where you were just like in a backstage interviewing him, right? Yeah, I went downtown and I was supposed to meet Chris and something came up and, you know, I was never the biggest White Lion fan. And so I went down there and was like, I don't know how this is going to go, but it went all right. He was a cool dude. He was a nice guy. The thing that was the the thing that blew my mind was when he actually said the phrase, yes, I'm very proud of my 11th solo album. It's like, you have 11 solo albums, man? That's incredible. Yeah, that's a lot. Of- hey, he, he's very popular in Belgium. Give him a break. Yes, I know. He's nice up there. They got nothing better to do but sit around pining for the new Mike Tramp album. All right. Which is good. <laughs> oh, I wish we were more like them. That's right. All right. Here's another question. It's a good one. It comes to us from Patrick Breen. Are there any singers in one band that you could see singing for another band? Would you endorse a hard rock metal program like Wife Swap, but it's a singer swap for a year or two? That's a pretty intriguing question. I would I would put D. Snyder in Paul Stanley's place and kiss. <laughs> Are you being serious or just to be funny? Yeah, I think it would, I I think he could pull it off. He's good, he's a good enough of a front man. He doesn't play guitar though, so that would be you'd go down to one guitar. But mm-hmm. I think he could handle Paul's songs. Oh, wow, okay. that's far out right there. You paint yeah. him up like Paul and everything. Yeah, I don't know about that. Paul's wig on him? <laughs> Put Paul's costume on him? No, it'd be the revenge era of Kiss. <laughs> but if but if you're looking at this like it's a TV show, and you're going to take yeah. one guy from one band and put him in a different band, and then film the interactions of it like a like a like a reality TV show, that would okay. be freaking fascinating. Yeah, somebody, and I'm going to steal from one of our listeners because they had. Something like this got asked on an, on a different episode, and their suggestion, which I think was a good one, would be Sebastian Bach and Van Halen. I think that could work on a musical level, not on an ego level. <laughs> no, that would make for good reality TV, too, for oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. See how a guy gets fired after 20 minutes in a band. <laughs> Did you guys see the news story a couple, I guess maybe a week ago or so, about Eddie Van Halen and Fred Durst <laughs> working together? Yeah. No. And it ended up with Eddie Van Halen pulling a gun on Fred Durst? Yeah, basically, he met Fred Durst at a party in Beverly Hills. And this is when 
Eddie was really bad off on meth and stuff. And somebody, I the guy who wrote the book, I guess, was at the party and introduced them to each other. And he go, he jokingly said, "Hey, Eddie, uh, Limp, you know, West Borland just left Lent Biscuit. You should try out for Lent Biscuit." <laughs> and uh, and even Fred Durst, to his own credit, was like, "Yeah, that'd be funny." The greatest guitar player in history playing in the worst band in history, and and Eddie goes, "Fuck it, let's do it." And uh, so. If Eddie shows up at the at where this house in Beverly Hills that the rest of Limp Biscuit is just jamming around in, and he's he brought his gear, and I guess he, he tried to play with them, but it was like turned into being like a, just a big party with a bunch of younger people, and he felt weird about being there, and he left, and he left his gear there, and the next day he apparently blew up Fred Durst's phone, going, "Hey, I need to get my stuff back," and Fred Durst wouldn't answer any of his phone calls, and I guess Eddie owned a like a military assault vehicle at the time. <laughs> and he like got up in this co- truck, drives to the house, bangs on the door. Fred Durst opens the door. Eddie Van Halen puts a gun to his face and goes, give me my gear. You motherfucker. <laughs> and he held the gun on Fred Durst while all of the Limp Biscuit crew or whatever loaded all of Eddie's stuff back. And then Eddie took off. Wow. <gasps> Sounds like a cut scene from boogie nights or something. Right? <laughs> Truth is stranger than fiction. God, this is a that's a crazy ass story though. I love it. it. Yeah, me yeah. too. That's great. And how is that not? How is that not? Haven't hasn't that come out already? You know, for anybody that was there that day, that had to be the greatest story you could tell at a party. Yeah. Know? Talk about strange bedfellows. Wow, that's wild. Here's oh, a question good. from Robert Sedler. I like this one. This one's pretty cool too. It's I never really thought about this. Best use of an umlaut in a band name: Motley Crue. Blue Oyster Cult or Motorhead? You know, all three of them use the umlauts. I'll just go with Motley Crue because there's two of them instead of one. <laughs> I got to go with Motley. I don't think any of them are used properly, are they? That's what I was looking at. I think... I think Blue Oyster Cult uses it properly. I don't know. I think Motley, the, the O in Motley is correct. I don't think the U is. I don't think it is an oyster... And I don't think it is in Motorhead because if it was Motorhead, it would have a line over the top, right? Because it's O. Isn't that how that works? I am unsure of my umlauts. Okay. Well, I'm no that- professor and I have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But I'm also going to go with Motley Crue because I think they use it the most correctly, maybe? It's also the first time I saw it. I knew Motley Crue before I, before I knew of Blue Oyster Cult and Motorhead. Yeah, same here. I just love that Motley took the idea from a bottle of Lowenbrow, and that's how they decided to use it. <laughs> wow, that's cool. <laughs> All right, here's a question from Grayson Galagos. He wants to know, anybody else besides me love the smell of a new CD booklet? I know oh, I do. I'm streaming. I know Loose Cannon loves the smell of his phone. That's what I was to say. That's right. <laughs> a nice, fresh hyperlink. Oh, I, I mean, I don't really buy CDs anymore, but I did at the time, you know, um, one thing I noticed the other day, I was going through like old tour books and stuff I had, like tour books used to have like a particular smell to them. Um, that's pretty unique, but, uh, and so obviously vinyl does too, but I don't know. This is an Aaron Camaro question all the way. Yeah. The studio (laughs) smells pretty sweet with all these (laughs) CD booklets in here. (laughs) Did you actually ever open one up though? And then just take a big whiff. 
like fresh. I guess like, you like don't just, take a big whiff. No, I, don't I, ever do I don't, that. Yeah, I don't think of not a big whiff. Like, oh, yes, it's, <sighs> it's the new. Yes. Oh, yeah, the, <laughs> the new Ozzy. <laughs> oh, this is going to be so good. That's what I mean. There's no, there's no jobs for a CD sommelier. <laughs> That's right. Wouldn't it be great if you could actually tell if the album's going to suck or be great just by the whiff? <laughs> mm. Smell the glove by Spinal Tap. Oh, that's true. Well yeah. done. All right. Awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jason Kearney wants to know, what's everyone's favorite beer? Well, mine's easy. I stick with Baco, and I agree with the Coors Light. That's what I'm drinking. You guys, what's your your favorite snooty imported beverage of choice? <laughs> you go first, Luce. I just always go with what's the most expensive and has the longest description and name. <laughs> yeah, that sounds. Uh, if I'm if I'm going, there was one that was like, uh, well, the one that I've <laughs> that I've really been into lately is one I actually talked to Baco about last week that uh, you guys had to try on your show. I don't even think you like this one. It's uh, called Space Dust IP. Oh God, <laughs> God, it's eight point two percent alcohol and. I actually do like the taste of it. Good for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm proud of myself. See, you thought you were gonna. Yeah, you guys. Is that what you're drinking right now? No, I'm not drinking anything right. <laughs> okay, now. I'm drinking, right. drinking water. All right, fair enough. I was hoping space to dust. No, I got to stay sober to beat you in the game. That's right. <laughs> it's gonna be a good one today. I got some awesome questions. Where do you get these? Do you just dig deep? Because they're 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 like like uh, they're random, man. They're ra- they're supposed to be random. I know, I dude, but I'm just saying just they, really... they're pretty impressive, the obscurity of them. I like them to be hard, but I like them to be kind of solvable, sort of, you know? I don't know. Okay. I have fun times putting them together. I'm just glad that you finally, after 400 episodes, you know, realized your dream of becoming a game show host that you had as a young boy. I know. I forced it. <laughs> <laughs> it's my dream, Sinzak, and we're doing it. <laughs> I've, I've been watching. I've been wanting to do a trivia game since we started the show, so I'm happy we're doing it. Yeah, it's cool. I find all kinds of crazy shit. Well, you know what? Now's as good a time as any. Chris, I sent you that thing the other day about the kiss thing, and I want to talk about this. <laughs> oh, the thing about the all the yeah. The no, let body. me just explain it because Loose Cannon, you got to check this out too. This is far out. So I'm doing the research to find questions for the game show, you know, and I'm always looking for cool stuff kind of outside of the box, things that people maybe should know about. We'll see if you guys know about this stuff today. But when it comes to the KISS questions, it's always hard because with Chris, I know I got to make it pretty difficult. And then I try to judge by the, you know, the kissdom of the, the opponent of how difficult it's, it's a whole process, you know, but it's difficult with the KISS questions, especially. So I dig around and I just look for different things and eventually I'll find something and go, that's a good one right there. That's perfect. And I'll use it. So in my research this week for the kiss questions, I found this article. It's written by Melissa Satori and it's on ranker.com. And it is pretty freaking strange. It's an article. It's entitled kiss stories that earned them the title of the most calculated band in history. Have either of you seen this before? Nope. Okay, so Chris, I'm going to read the part that I sent to you, and then we'll go from there. So 
they have different sections throughout the thing with that highlights different parts of the band's career and different things. So this part's called Fans Thought the Illuminati Kept the Band Out of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it goes like this. KISS were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 15 years after the group's initial eligibility period, a delay that sent the KISS army down a path of conspiracy theories. One theory involves journalist Dave Marsh, a key player in the Hall of Fame selection process, who once reportedly said, KISS is not a great band. KISS never was a great band. KISS never will be a great band. And I have done my share to keep them off the ballot. This led to outrage by KISS fans around the world. Another theory is that KISS were kept from the Hall of Fame by the Illuminati because of their apparent relationship with Satanism. KISS's connection with the Illuminati traced back to Vinnie Vincent, a member of the band... (laughs) It's hard to read this out loud. <laughs> I was wondering when you're going to break. Vinnie Vincent is always the breaking point. Yeah. Oh man, too funny. Okay, get it together, Camaro. It's too good. You got to keep going. <laughs> All right, Vinnie Vincent was a member of the band from '82 to '84. Oh man, this is going to be hard. <laughs> it makes Come me on, laugh thinking about it. Okay. Vincent, who brought the band into a new artistic period, was also said to have been driven by the desire to pull Kiss. <laughs> you want me to read it? <laughs> no, no, I got this. He was also driven by his desire to pull Kiss away from Satanism. <laughs> it's it's so funny edition. to read out loud. All right. As he defended the New World Order, Vincent, I can't fucking do it. (laughs) All right, Chris, you got to read it. I can't do it. It's too funny. Am I into the – okay. Oh, God, my eyes are watering. It's too funny. (laughs) All right, so picking up where he left off is that Vincent became known as the Ankh Warrior, wearing an Egyptian (laughs) Ankh, the key of life symbol, which was tied to Illuminati power. Vincent didn't last long in Kiss and failed to eliminate the connections between the devil and the band. (laughs) According to the conspiratorial line of thinking, his failures meant the Illuminati would have to find other ways to suppress Kiss. (laughs) So now we know why Animalize was made. Um, Oh, man. Too much. Good point. the The secret group. The secret group had made a bold move keeping the band out of the Hall of Fame, an entity established for the creation of recruiting lucrative performers into their globalist endgame. <laughs> the, the heads of the Hall of Fame are, after all, New World Order luminaries or so some conspiracy theorists posit. Oh, my God. That is the funniest thing I ever read in my life. So, it, like, we can honestly now confirm that Vinnie Vincent did not save KISS. No, he was trying to save him from Satanism, but he failed. I love it. There's all kinds of crazy shit like that in this article, and it's just like it's made to look like it's actually really real. All right. I would like to suggest that for the rest of the show, you just keep reading that that entire article. (laughs) The rest of of what we have to see if you can make it through. That's what I was thinking when I saw this. I was like, this could be a whole episode, just this damn article. 
say this could be this. Forget doing another uh, uh, thing of Hit Parade or a Metal Edge. Just read this article on the air. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I mean, let me find yeah. the thing they say about Ace Frehley, and then we can move on from it. If oh, you all yeah. right. Well, here, listen. Here's a this is a good excerpt right here. All right. Kiss songs intended to play up their image as sex-crazed, Lucifer-loving groups of guys that lived outside the lines, exactly what parents hated. The song The Oath is allegedly about giving in to Satan. I think it's legit because I certainly felt like I was in hell the first time I had to listen to that record. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I just like – I would just like to hear like a deaf poetry – uh, reading of, of the Elder by Camaro. Yeah, the whole well, album, we, whole album. Just do it like that. We've done that before for the VIPs on Patreon. We've done. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we did it on the Decibel Geek too with the bongos. I don't have the bongos right here. Oh, that's what I loved. Yes, the bongos. Yeah, I, think, I, I think I think you and Baco need to do a two person show about the Elder, <laughs> where we just read each <laughs> other Elder end. poetry with bongos. <laughs> When he wanted to do one on the an episode on the Elder, I, I let uh, Rob Curran co-host, and I didn't do it with him. <laughs> <laughs> because you're a member of the Illuminati, and you're fighting against Satanism. That's right. I, I couldn't be part of that. This whole article you, makes sense now. And, you know, Gene Simmons on the Dynasty Tour, he wore a costume made out of tinfoil. So, hey, there is a connection. It is true. <laughs> now you know what's inside the poof on the top of his head, a little a little ball of tinfoil. <laughs> tinfoil top on <laughs> Foil top knot. Ooh, that's a good look. All right. We have a lot of questions to get through. Okay. All right. Maybe we'll we'll revisit this. It it is insane. We'll revisit it possibly. Okay. Yes. There's some crazy (laughs) shit in there. (laughs) I laughed so hard. I can't believe I tried to read that shit out loud. Okay. Back to it. Here's one from our good friend Jay Shabluski, two-parter. First, he wants to know... Where did the loose cannon name come from? Yeah. Uh, first off, I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that you do not give yourself your own nickname. So I got this nickname back uh, in a former life when I worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. And basically there, there's, I became a manager and I, there was a, like an official email sent out like, this guy you just put in charge is a bit of a loose cannon. That's <laughs> basically what it said. <laughs> Because um, I would just say ridiculous shit at meetings. And I guess I didn't have – didn't uh, follow social norms and that just kind of followed me to – I had a website called Are You Fucking Kidding Me uh, that I had. That was a blog back in the day and that was my pen name for that. Nice. And it just kind of stuck and I've actually graduated past it. I'd like to be referred to as LC now. I'm kind of like I'm, – I'm moving from Ricky Shorter to Rick Shorter as I get older. I like um, LC. That's got to get LC, to it. Just do LC. It, it's, it's, it's not something that uh, – uh, you know, it's, it's definitely morning zoo like. <laughs> so, as I've been told, so I think that that uh, uh, I'm going to move towards LC because it's not the best when you're asking for, you know, to interview somebody and you sign that loose cannon in an email either. Mm. That's the story. So then, the second part of the question, Jay Shabluski would like to know: Is am I the only one watching AEW wrestling in front of zero fans? Well, I'm certainly not watching it. Yes, this is a wrestling show after all. I don't have an answer for that. You don't watch none zero wrestling, I'm sorry. Zero wrestling for LC, that sucks. Unless unless you're in the ring, Camaro. Oh, okay. Watch well, it. We work that out sometime <laughs> maybe. Um yeah. I watch it. I love AEW wrestling. It's weird that the wrestling now is in front of no fans, like WrestleMania 
was messed up because there's no fans there. So they're just, I don't know, it's not the same without people out there. No kidding. I can tell you this, one time I worked a show in Laverne, and it's like Saturday night, and I'm all dressed up, and I'm ready to go down and do some ring announcing. We got some big matches lined up, and usually there's, you know, anywhere between... A bad night, 50 people, and a good night, you know, a hundred, couple hundred people in the place. And so I'm going, I'm heading down there, and I'm ready, and I they play my music, and I walk out. There's three people out there. Oh, wow. And so I walk out. I got the microphone. I'm ready. Hey, everybody, let's have, I don't even know what to say. I just turn off the microphone. I go in the ring. The music cuts off, and I go, hey, how's it going? <laughs> wow you guys are the only ones here and they're like yeah i guess so you know like okay well the show goes on so and i'm not even on the microphone i'm just leaning in the corner talking to these three people sitting in these sea of chairs and i tell well you're gonna have a good time tonight because everything this whole show is going to be directed right to you three so have fun tonight you know so let me tell you this first match we got coming up is you know <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't even use the microphone all night. I just basically stood there and were, were, became their personal narrator of the evening. Oh, wow. Explained to them what wow. was going on. Why this guy's fighting that guy? Well, you know, last week, I don't know if you guys were here, but last week, you know, this guy came out and did this and this guy. <laughs> it was a trip. It's weird. Yeah, no crowd is a very odd thing. Yeah. It's going to be strange yeah. if they – I got to imagine they're going to try it in line with NFL season, you know, it. It's all starting to come undone now. You know, there some states, I know some counties here in Tennessee are lightening up and letting people out. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Well, we're going to find out soon, I think, in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't just stay locked down forever. But we can keep doing the quarantine sessions forever if we keep getting awesome questions like these. Grayson Galagos wants to know, what's the most embarrassing thing you've ever worn? He can't wait for me to answer this one. Well, then you, you go first, then. Yeah, yeah. Ah, this is another one that happened at a wrestling show, you know, because I like to get, <laughs> I like to get dressed up for the wrestling shows, you know. I like to be over the top and have a good time with that stuff. And this was a particularly big one. And there was a couple thousand people in the crowd for this. And it was down at the fairgrounds, and it's underneath the hot lights in the ring, you know, and it's you feel the heat in the ring from the big lights up above you. In this instance was one where I had to bring with wardrobe changes because they were filming TV segments and I had to wear certain ones and certain things that were airing on different weeks, which was always a pain in the ass, but whatever, I'd bring my stuff with me. So in my search trying to find crazy shit to wear at a Goodwill, I'm pretty sure, or a thrift store of some sort, I found a fur coat and I was like, wow, fur coat it looks like it's wolf or something you know that's super cool you know i'm thinking this is amazing and my wife is like no you're not buying that and i was like well it's not very expensive you know and boy yeah it's gonna be cool that's gonna be awesome so i get to the show and i got my assortment of stuff and i wear my first one i'm more comfortable one earlier and then later on in the night, it's time for me to put on, you know, outfit number three. And number three is the fur coat. So I put on the fur coat and I'm like, oh shit, it's hot. You know, this, this ain't cool. 
and I got to wear it because I don't have nothing else. And that was my plan. So back out to the ring I go with this big old stupid fur coat on, all these people underneath the hot lights, and I'm sweating. And the fur is coming off the jacket. It's sticking to my neck, and it's itching, and it's getting in my face, and I'm trying to talk on the mic, and it's getting on my mouth and sticking. It was the <laughs> worst idea I ever had. And I come back, and my boss is there and goes, what the fuck are you wearing? I said, I won't never wear it again. And it was you look embarrassing. Kind of like, uh, it was Teen Wolf. Did you look like Teen Wolf, the little fur in your face, like like growing in? Yeah, definitely. But it was also stuck, sticking out of my eyes. Oh, God. Oh, I can't man. imagine. Um, I've racked my brain on this, and the best answer I can come up with is I once wore a Cobras and Fire t-shirt. <laughs> That's my answer, too. I'm wearing a Cobra. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'm wearing a Cobras and Fire t-shirt right now. Oh, no. Well, you have to change See, your answer, then. Yeah, I'll tell you what. It's, it's, it, it promotes social distancing. <laughs> nice. And by the way, you can also get a Cobras and Fire face mask right oh, yeah. on our website. CobrasandFire.com. Thank you guys for what you do. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Here's another one from Grayson. He wants to know, what song instantly brings you back to your childhood? The one that came to mind right away was Boys of Summer by Don Henley, because I just remember that song being everywhere when I was a kid. I think I'm going to go with uh, Right Down the Line by Jerry Rafferty. For some reason, yeah. that song always takes me back to being a little kid. Or maybe Baker Street. Either one. Mm-hmm. Mm. I took this as being as teenager. You're talking about little kid, huh? I guess childhood. Okay. I'm going to go with Trapped in the Closet by R. Kelly. <laughs> in a lot of ways, you're still a child. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to know the story behind that. but okay. no, I have an actual answer. I took this as like uh, uh, childhood and like a teenager. So I actually did uh, Fight for Your Right to Party, Beastie Boys, because that's when – all of a sudden, I realized that the reason I liked a lot of these songs is they have guitars, and then it led me to Zeppelin and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. that that album was a soundtrack to one of my summers. I remember that too. Yeah, yeah. Me too. so that was that was like a gateway drug for hard rock for me. I had the forty five for Fight for Your Right. What'd you say? I had the forty five for uh, Fight for Your Right with the Paul Revere on the B side. Oh, I love that song. God, I mean, come on. First, what's the, what other time when you were a kid did you hear the uh, porno mag in a song <laughs> you know? like, these guys get me and doing things with a wiffle ball bat yeah all that like, what is he doing with a wiffle ball back how can that even fit that's awesome uh victor ruiz wants to know is copers and fire perfectly rated 100 percent, yes it's perfectly rated and i would like to take this time to actually uh, go into more detail because this whole perfectly rated thing came in with King's X last time and right. uh, overrated. Can I tell you the definition of perfectly rated first? Because I think you don't understand it, Chris. Please. Okay. Perfectly rated means <clears throat> that a band, their success is exactly as it should be. It does no, not I, an in- I, uh, I understand that it's not an insult. Oh, you do? Yeah. And I, well, I, don't, I wasn't really arguing with Baco about it. I was just saying I wish – I just wish they had had more success. I'm not saying they deserved. I just wish they had. I don't know. I just wish more people latched on is all I was saying. Yeah. It it has to do with a a band's logo, their image, their band name. You pick a bad band name. I don't care how good you are. 
It's going to be, if, I'll give you a perfect example. Bubbleflex is the dumbest band name ever created, but it's a band that I love, but it sounds like, like a Weezer band, like Nerf Herder. The logo is bad. They didn't, they didn't find success. They are perfectly rated. There's yeah. another example. I think they're great. So that's King's X, perfectly rated. <clears throat> great okay. band. Do you think the name does hurt them, King's X? Oh, King's X? No, I think King's X is a fine is, – is an okay name. It wouldn't be that. It would be just a – what hurt them is naming an album Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. I thought that sounds like any other album that would have come out in the late 80s. It sounds, <laughs> so? it, it sounds like a Pretty Boy Floyd album cover. Or it's like, you know, it sounds like a porno, Gretchen Goes to Nebraska. Oh, you think so? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just, no, I don't think so because otherwise then it would be like Gretchen Goes to Hollywood. Yeah, see, just see, one. This is, this I go, is different. I go with Camaro there. You change the the name of Nebraska. That doesn't sound that fun. Hollywood. I'm in. Maybe maybe it's about a porn star retiring. Ooh. <laughs> These are changes. Kings X. Oh, X X rated. See, this is what they could have used. Oh, okay. Is your manager? Yeah, yeah, if they only had us to market them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah we're perfectly rated because we we picked a name that uh doesn't make much sense and things like that and uh we're an acquired taste so yeah we're 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 as successful as successful as we should be all right mick watkins wants to know what's your favorite hard rock heavy metal album from the 70s 80s 90s 2000s and 10s <sighs> album oh man that's... i hate these I love you, Mick, but I hate your question. Yeah, um, I overlooked that one when I glanced over this list earlier because I don't have nothing in front of me. Um, I'm in the same boat. I, I can only give two answers for mine if I want to do. If I want to start with an incomplete answer and go to Chris, and then you. My, yeah, mine's going to be incomplete too, but I'll, I've got a few ready. Okay. Um, I'll go. Are you go. You're going to go first. Well, sure. I mean, just the '70s is going to be alive. That's that's the one that went that yeah. instantly came to my head. Eighties, I'm going to say Appetite. Nineties, two thousands and two thousand ten. I really don't have a favorite. You know, I can't mm. think of it. I think it's because when you're younger, you just latch onto things more. Yeah, I would for the seventy. He said alive, and then that threw me off because I, maybe I should have picked that. But I would maybe um, Thin Lizzy, Black Rose, eighties, um, Kiss, Creatures of the Night, nineties, Alice in Chains, Facelift, and then. The O's and the two the for 2010s uh, probably Eclipse, Bleed and Scream, but uh, I don't know about the 2000s. I was doing drugs during that time, so I don't remember. <laughs> All right, fair <laughs> enough. Yeah, that's pretty much impossible. I have no idea. Um, it's hard enough to pick bands, and then you spread it out even further to albums. That's I'd have to think that over. I don't really have a good answer for that one. Maybe we'll do a an episode dedicated to something like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, I'm sure a ton, we could list off a ton of 2000 and 2010 bands we like, but I don't know about specific albums. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. If I if I gave it enough thought, with since just starting the show, we could probably come up with a, several yeah. good ones. But uh, all right, well, off top, and, we can always double around back to that one later. Yeah. In the meantime, Mark Leedy wants to know: in an alternative universe, Gene has left Kiss after Lick It Up to pursue a wildly successful movie career. Who do you pick to replace him? Uh, I would pick Jean Beauvoir. I just think it would be an interesting pick because he was already working with Paul on songwriting and stuff, and the, his plasmatics connection means he's kind of a showman to start with. And it would be cool to have a black guy in Kiss. I think it would be cool. 
I think that's probably the right answer right there. You know, if that would have really happened, that's probably the way it would have went. Would have been a cool look. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to go with Kevin DeBro To play what? <laughs> Kevin DeBro of A Quiet Riot? Just because they both have equally receding hairlines? That's correct. Right at the oh, time, okay. you just make the switch. Nobody knows the, nobody's the wiser. Get, a, get some uh, tongue enhancements. Done. Wow. <laughs> put on the... Put on the sequin gown, Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) And also, start eating a lot of junk food. (laughs) That's right. Wow. Kevin Dubrow. (laughs) I was going to say Blackie Lawless. We kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. That's not bad. You want to replace Gene with somebody that's going to be able to come in and write Gene Simmons-style songs very well? Yeah. Blackie Lawless. That's your guy. That's better than Jean Beauvoir. I, I like your idea better. Oh, you, you win. As far as practicality, I mean, he would take the job in a heartbeat probably back in the day too. Move right into that position. Yeah. I like it. He's already yeah. got all his stage outfits already lined up. You don't even got to pay for yeah. it. Same height pretty much, I would think. All right. James West wants to know what are our favorite podcasts that each of us like to listen to. LC, you got any you like to listen to? I just listen to mine. Just love the sound of my voice. (laughs) (laughs) Over and over and over, all week long. At least that's how we get our stats. (laughs) Count at least 10 lessons for me each episode. No, in all seriousness, obviously I listen to Decibel Geek. Uh, My God. The easy answer is pretty much the majority of the podcasts that are at Rock and Pod Expo over the last uh, few years. So um, besides not music – I'll have to look at my uh, my thing here to – oh, oh, oh. I think that, Aaron, you may have turned me on to this one, was the um, the comedy podcast where they do all the history. Is that the dollop? Yes, the dollop. I listen to that. Um, and I'll just leave it at that for now. That's cool. We uh, had tickets to see the dollop. They were coming here, and that all got postponed. Oh, I'd love to see that live. Yeah. Yeah, I really uh, like from- that show. My buddy Billy turned me on to that. They're funny as hell. That's that's the improv level of uh, you have to be envious of, right? Just, right. just to be up there and just just to riff on a subject for two hour and a half. That would Solid. be so much fun. That's basically what we're yeah. doing here, we're, except it's more difficult for us because we're on Skype and under quarantine. Oh, that is true. Yeah. Absolutely. So who's yes. we're the real improv professionals here? Damn straight. And you don't get any history lesson, but you get a lot of facts, useless knowledge at the end. That's right. Yeah. An unintentional humor. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, for me, um, I listen, obviously, Cobras and Fires, one of my go-tos, and um, Damsel and Distrestica. I mean, um, <laughs> di- um, District of Columbia. I mean, Diabolus and Podcastica. Um, I love them. I'll, I'll, obviously, all the Rock and Pod ones that, that come every year. I know it's kind of a cop-out answer, but, I mean, there's just so many. Um, and then also... Uh, you know, I still stick to the ones that kind of got me into it. Mark Marin's "What the Fuck," uh, Adam Carolla once in a while, although he's not as good as he used to be. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, I bounce around. I don't really discover a lot of new ones outside of music podcasts. I probably should do that more. What about you, Aaron? Um, you know, yeah, all the rock ones, all my favorite people, all my favorite buddies, the rock and pod people at one time or another, I've listened to them all. You know, I try to keep up with them, but I don't have that much time. 
Um, let's see. I like, uh, I'm a big fan of Conrad Thompson, the guy who does all the wrestling podcasts. He does one with Bruce Pritchard, who used to be Brother Love and was a writer for the WWE back then. He does one with Eric Bischoff, who ran WCW, and he does a couple other ones. And he's really good. He gets the inside stories of stuff that was going on back then. So I really like them wrestling podcasts. And I like the dollop and the rock ones. Yeah, all my favorite rock ones. And then that's about it. I listen, cool. I'd listen to more if I had the time. Yeah, i got to tell you, it's, it's difficult now. It's never been more difficult to listen to shows because you don't have – I usually listen to them when I'm going to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I dedicate that time. So Or at work when I'm away. So uh, definitely behind on many. Yeah, me too. All right. That's good questions right there. Ian Wadley, our good friend, he's terrible at trivia. He wants to know who, is, <laughs> who has done more damage to the world, COVID-19 or Sammy Hagar? Oh, man. I, I can – I can avoid Sammy Hagar easier than I can COVID-19, so I guess I'll just have to say COVID-19. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with COVID-19. I'm not, a, I'm not a Hagar hater. But I think the important thing to remember, too, is in both cases, if you come in contact, you should definitely be wearing gloves and a face mask. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. Just to be on the safe side. True. Sure. Andrew Jacobs wants to know, which of the older bands, 60s, 70s, 80s, do you think will not tour again after the COVID-19 is behind us. I know a lot of people lately have been asking if they think KISS is hanging it up after this because they removed the countdown clock to the last date of the tour next year. But I just th- I think they're going to keep touring. I don't see them stopping. Um, i trying to think of anybody that might actually – well, Roger Waters recently said you may have seen his last tour because he's like, I'm just getting too old for this and I can't see my – you know, if it drags on too long, he'll retire. But – those are the two that come to mind right away. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to say that if Kiss does tour again, that they'll actually be on stage inside those pods, like in Spinal Tap, that they couldn't get out of. <laughs> what do you think? Nice protection. I think it's a great um, idea. Yeah, and you can still use tapes for vocals too. So well, that's true, and yeah. you can't really see the lips move. It's kind of foggy through the, yeah. through the plexiglass or whatever. I don't know. Out. I mean, it is an interesting question because it's like. All of the bands that, that we grew up with are pretty much in the are in the at risk category, right? They're definitely not going to do any meet and greets, I don't think, for several years, and that's where a lot of them get their um, well, extra true. money. You know what I mean? Yeah, I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about that. Yeah, that could really affect it. So who knows? I mean, yeah, you could have seen a bunch of them hanging up after this. Yeah, twenty twenty yeah. might have been the end of meet and greet packages. That's what I mean. Be something yeah. we'll be able to tell our grandkids about. When we were young, we could actually pay our rock stars an exorbitant amount of cash and we could meet them face to face. You kids will never understand what it was like. Yeah, they're like, I got to go backstage and stand six feet away from Gene Simmons and uh, wave at him for a thousand dollars. Yeah, and the kid goes, thank God. <laughs> it is interesting, though. It's like, that is this going to change that like people all of a sudden think these meet and greets are a ridiculous waste of money? Have you ever paid for one? Mm, yes, I, I paid I... for the first one with Ace Frehley. Was it somewhat reasonable then? It was, when, it when was, was reasonable, it and it was for myself, my wife, and my kid, you know, and we went and had That's a good cool. time, and it was just kind of – it was more about him than anything, you know, about showing my kid Ace Frehley sure. and showing him a good time. I've, yeah. I don't think I've ever paid for one, and I, I've had – 
as you guys know, you can sometimes get put on the the meet and greet list or whatever if you yep. review a show. And <laughs> I got to do that when Jeff Tate brought his Operation Mindcrime tour here. And, nice. And I I remember meeting Rudy Sarzo and Brian Tishy and thinking these guys are really cool. And then Jeff Tate came out and it was just really awkward. It was just just odd. Had a sniffer of wine yeah. looking down at you. He's trying to sell me on driving me around Europe and stuff. <laughs> I love it. He's giving out, he gives you a 10% discount code for his wine tour. Yeah. Thanks for coming back here, Chris. Yeah, he's a man of, of many yes. great tastes. That's right. Many great tastes. That's oh, awesome. God. Absolute gold. Oh, God. Yeah, if you ever if you ever want to hear an episode of us making fun of Jeff Tate and then subsequently the next week interviewing Jeff Tate, then uh, go check out our show. Yeah, I love that I'll find – Anytime I find a crazy, ridiculous story of a rock star being an, an amazing douche, I tend to find that link, send it to send it to yep. Luce and Baco, and say, "You guys know what to do." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we make fun of what we love. You love Jeff Tate? <sighs> you know, that's just a general statement. Oh, okay. All right, Andrew Jake's got a few quick ones for us. Crazy nights or hot in the shade? Crazy nights. Hot in the shade, one hundred percent. Hot in the shade. I agree with Luce. OU eight one two or for unlawful carnal knowledge. Uh fuck. OU eight one two. That's hard. I don't know. I don't really listen to that stuff too much. <laughs> Sammy Hagar on it. You can't can't admit you listen to that, huh? Is that right? I guess OU eight one two. Oh. Huh. Chris? I already, I said, fuck. That's my answer. Oh. I thought you just were upset with the question. <laughs> no. For unlawful carnal knowledge. Heaven and hell or mob rules? Heaven and hell. Oh, yeah. Heaven, I love mob rules, but heaven and hell, please. Yeah, I love them both, but I got to go with heaven and hell. Jimi Hendrix or Jimmy Page? Uh, J- Jimmy Page. Jimmy Page. Jimmy Hendrix, overrated. Oh. Wow. <laughs> See, now, just for that, I'm going to go with Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> just to balance things out. Now you see just how finely rated he is. Stone Temple Pilots core or Soundgarden super unknown? Is that a question, even? Super unknown. Yeah, super unknown. I don't know, man. I was actually listening to Stone Temple Pilots core not too long ago, and I forgot that's actually a really damn good album. And there's some really good guitar solos on those songs. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's good. I still take Super Unknown as an album c- compared to it, but uh, there's a song called Cracker Man on Core that's a great song. Yeah, it's badass. Um, but I still got to go with Soundgarden also. Mm. Oh, see, you tricked me. Van Halen related. Wings or rings? <laughs> well, it's got to be. You got to go with the, uh, the wings because it's the Dave era. Yeah, definitely the wings. The wings, you know, you got it's perfect for a logo, you know. And the Weezer even copied it or paid yeah. homage to it and everything. Uh, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of like the uh, uh, the Metallica thing at the bottom, whatever you call that, the reverse check mark. Right. It's it's nice. It's nice to doodle. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I like that. All right. Here's one from Corey Nolan. He wants to know what is the one thing you'd like to see Kiss make available for purchase. <laughs> How about music? <laughs> I'm going with that too. I'm going to keep saying, yeah, what he said, and not give an answer. <laughs> what else is there? They've released anything, anything that, that's any product they've had their name on it. Do you have something, Camaro? 
I can't think of anything. They've, there's You can buy a Kiss anything. Right. To like open the vaults up. You know there's a bunch of cool stuff they're sitting on. Just let okay. people have yes. that stuff. Yeah. Yes. I'll, I'll go with that. Like here's here's my question that's befuddled me. Not that I'm would love to 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 see it as like the, the era of that I'm love the most, but how is there not a pro shot asylum uh show out there at this point? <laughs> they're sparing you. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> but seriously, there's every but how could the entire tour go on is my point. There's record of all oh. tours except for that. Well, and, a, and outside of the uh, Rio 83 shows, which aren't really the Creatures full stage, there's no Creatures pro shot show either. Yeah, I guess. I just would think from Animalize forward, you know, they get, they get a little more money. You know, they did the MTV thing. They should have somebody should have something from the, that. And the, well, I heard that they didn't put out one for the Asylum Tour because B. Arthur was suing Gene over the costume. <laughs> intellectual. Whatever. Intellectual property. Yeah. <laughs> Golden Girls was big at the time. Yeah. All right. Aaron Baker wants to know Aaron Camaro's laugh or Ace Fraley's laugh. I'm going to vote for Loose Cannon's laugh. I was going to say, we have like the two best laughs in music podcasting on this show right now. (laughs) I got to tell you, I'm quite pleased because usually I have the ability to program Aaron Camaro's laugh for terrible jokes that I tell or Baco. So now it's actually a real laugh. Very satisfying, Aaron. I'm going with Aaron Camaro's laugh. That's awesome. And then. Uh, let's see what else we got. What's your favorite Deep Purple lineup? Chris, you don't like Deep Purple. The only lineup of Deep Purple I really like is the, the Glenn Hughes, David Coverdale era of the band. Cause I don't like, I don't like Ian Gillen's voice. Which, uh, which lineup was it that did the 1996 classic Perpendicular? <laughs> totally bullshit. That's like Mark 42, I think. <laughs> did you ever see the cover? Where it's like yeah. a microphone, looks like a boner, purple yeah. boner. Yeah, okay. very cl- very clever. Yeah, <laughs> deep purple. Get it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I like it all. I even like some of that early early stuff. Not a lot. A couple of songs are pretty cool, and then I love the Ian Gillen stuff. But I think my favorite is also the Glenn Hughes David Coverdale era. Those albums are so good. Stormbringer, come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Burn. Yeah, yeah Burn stuff. is badass. Yeah, there's some great stuff. Okay, well, I guess those are all our questions for the week. Those are all good ones. Thank you, everybody. We're going to keep this going for a little bit. So, you know, keep thinking about more questions. And then when we put out the word, you just let us know what you want us to talk about. We'll talk about whatever, as we've proven here once again today. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. But now it's time for Beat the Geek. Are you going to play the uh, game show music in the background? I don't have any game show music. That's what this show is missing. We need some Beat the Geek game show music. When when somebody's thinking. See, you use my laugh, and now I'm going to clip that, and I'm going to use that every week. (laughs) Do do, do a loop of that. No, please don't. Yeah, you want to see exactly. They can give you statistics when people bomb up your podcast and stop listening. Uh, There's a sharp drop in the numbers right at that point. And when they said the guest is loose cannon. That's true. Well, you'll have a chance to redeem yourself right now. Redeem? What do I, what do I have to redeem myself from? <laughs> For bringing our ratings and our reviews down. <laughs> that's real. Well, I know somebody that's going to get this a one-star review in Canada. Oh. <laughs> so you guys know the rules. Beat the Geek. We've been doing it over the last few weeks of the quarantine sessions. And Chris, like he pointed out earlier, score is 4-1-1. One, and one. Today, Loose Cannon, you've got a chance 
to knock him down a peg as you try to beat the geek. All right. I'm ready. All right. We got 11 questions. The first one goes to Chris because he is the geek. Are you ready? Yeah, let's go. Which of the following 1970s studio albums ranked the highest on the U.S. Billboard album charts? Damn chart position. Four albums. All you got to do is figure out which one charted the highest. Loose Cannon, does he know it? Or do you want to bet against him? I challenge. I bet against him. All right, Chris. He's betting against you. Could be double the points. Your choices are Deep Purple in Rock, Black Sabbath Paranoid, the Monkeys Changes or Steppenwolf Seven? Oh, for fuck's sake! Um, <laughs> total. I suck at chart positions. I'm just gonna take a wild guess and say the Monkeys album. That is incorrect. Since Loose Cannon challenged you, he gets a point. The answer is Black Sabbath Paranoid, oh. which came in at number twelve. The next closest was Steppenwolf at 19. Deep Purple in Rock comes in at 143. And the Monkeys changes, barely cracks at 152. So I was as bad as you could be on that one. 1970s Monkeys. Random collection there you got, buddy. It's tough. It's awesome. All right, Loose Cannon, your first chance, man. You ready for this? Yes, sir. Here we go. The band Mr. Big took inspiration from their name from a song by this band. So when they named themselves Mr. Big, they took it from this band. Chris, does LC know where Mr. Big got their name? I'm going to say no. All right, he's betting against you. Mr. Big, they got their name from a song by this band. Was it Free, Cheap Trick, Led Zeppelin, or Van Halen? All right, free, cheap trick. Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin. Van Halen. First, first, it's a perfectly rated band name, by the way. Um, let's see here. Definitely not Led Zeppelin. From a song title or from a lyric? Hello? Uh, we'll say song title. All right. Then Since I'm I didn't with, specify uh, that. I'm going to say free. That is correct. Oh and so God. Chris yep. bet against you. That's two points. Because I don't know any free songs, and I don't know any. There's definitely not a Led Zeppelin song called Mr. Big. It came off their 1970 album, Fire and Water. Wow. I'm going to lose today. <laughs> well, you're down three to nothing right now. Yep. Would a question about Pantera make you feel better? <laughs> depends on what the question is according to iTunes this is Pantera's most popular song Loose Cannon does he know Pantera's most popular song according to iTunes yes alright he's not betting against you on this one your choices are Cowboys from Hell Walk, This Love or Cemetery Gates I'm thinking it's got to be Walk that is correct. Walk is the number one most popular song. Cowboys from Hell is number two. This Love is number five. Cemetery Gates, number three. Walk among my least favorite Pantera songs. Yeah. Well, you are not amongst the majority there. Yeah. All right, Loose Candy, your chance. Similar question. According to iTunes, 
This is the most popular song by The Cult. Chris, does he know his cult? Yes. All right, you're not being bet against, but you got a chance to score a point here. Your choices are She Sells Sanctuary, Firewoman, Wildflower, or Love Removal Machine. That's actually pretty tough. Well, I know nothing about the cult for the most part, and I'm just going to go with Firewoman because that's the only song I really know. That's incorrect. Firewoman is actually the second most popular song of theirs on iTunes. Number one is She Sells Sanctuary. That's what I thought it was. I was surprised at that. Did you bet against them or not? No, I did not bet against them. No points awarded. Score remains three to one. Loose cannon in the lead. Now it's back to Chris's question. In 1990, all of the following bands were Grammy nominated for best hard rock performance. Who won? Got four bands all nominated. Who's the winner? Loose, does he know it? Say, sorry, say it one more time. Got four bands. All of them were nominated for a Grammy in 1990 for Best Hard Rock Performance. Four of them were nominated. Which one was the winner? Does he know? Yes. All right. You're not being bet against. Chris, your choices are Motley Crue, Living Color, Great White, Aerosmith. Which one was not nominated? They were all nominated. Which one is the winner? Say the choices again, please. Motley Crue. Living Color, Great White, Aerosmith. Um, is it Aerosmith? That is incorrect. Ah, fuck. The winner is Living Color. I was gonna say that shit. Living Color was not. Ooh, that was a ringer. That was a good. That was a good trick. All I thought, right. I'm sure they'd be nominated. Well, they were nominated. Those were all nominees, but only Living Color won. So no points awarded in that one. And the question goes back to Loose Cannon. Another award-style question. 1989 was the first year that the American Music Awards recognized hard rock and heavy metal. Which band took home both the favorite artist and album honors? Also, he knows it. All right, Loose Cannon, your choices are Guns N' Roses, ACDC, Van Halen, Def Leppard. They won most favorite artist and favorite album awards in 1989 at the American Music Awards. Mm. I'm trying to think if the AMAs or Regina are sort of all drunk and, and couldn't uh, accept the award or did accept the award. I'm, I'm going to go with Guns N' Roses. That is incorrect. In 1989, oh. it went to Def Leppard and the album Hysteria. Yeah. So Chris did not bet against you, and you did not get it right. So, no points awarded. We're at a standstill, at a roadblock. Stumping these suckers. That's right. All right, Chris, it's your turn. Before joining Metallica, Cliff Burton played in a band called Easy Street with two members of this future band. Loose Cannon, does he know his early Cliff Burton I'm going to say he, he does. All right. You're not being bet against. The choices are Alice in Chains, Testament, Faith No More, Life of Agony. 
I'm going to guess this based on just the geographical area he was in. I'm going to say Testament. That is incorrect. Shit. Cliff Burton was in a band called Easy Street with Roddy Bottom and Big Jim Martin. Faith No More. Faith No More. That's right. Too late now. Fear not, because if you heard that sound, then you know it's time for the kiss round. Double the points, and it's back to loose cannon. It's all on the line right here. Are you ready? Uh, See if all that wasted time through my life has served me well. The KISS credit card was offered by which credit card company? Chris, does Loose Cannon remember 1997? I need to come back. I need points, so I'm going to say he doesn't know it. All right. He is betting against you in double the points. The KISS credit card, was it Visa, MasterCard, Discover, or American Express? It wasn't Diners Club? (laughs) <laughs> mm, man okay um i'm just go i'm just gonna go with visa that is correct yes oh yes wow kiss round can make a huge difference chris did bet against you Damn. it's double the points so that puts you up one two three four seven to one well, that's all she wrote for me then. Wow. Wow. I thought it was American Express. You're sure about that? I'm sure about it. It's in the advertisement inside the Carnival of Souls album wow. sleeve. Okay. I would have gotten it wrong if I was the one answering that one. Shit. Oh, I'm so proud of myself. All that time I was told I should, you know, spend it <laughs> trying to get no- trying to get another degree, things like that, but but just knowing this kind of thing, this Wait, this is this validates me. Just know that you're a bigger loser than I am. <laughs> and I worried that that question was going to be too easy. I don't know, because you think Amex, that would be kind of the thing. But then, anyway. All right. Chris, your turn in the KISS round. Double the points. <laughs> On KISS's 1989 album, Hot in the Shade, the liner notes included a special PSA section telling fans... We want you around to enjoy the party. Here's how. What was the subject of the PSA? Oh, Luce, do you think he read the liner notes on Hot in the Shade? He has read liner notes on bootlegs. <laughs> okay, so yes, he's he knows this. Every, come on, this is a soft. This is rigged. This really? is a softball question. He knows it. He knows it. All right, Chris, you're not being bet against. Your choices are. The dangers of drugs, the truth about suicide, a warning about alcoholism, or the facts about AIDS. The facts about AIDS. That is correct. But Loose Cannon did not bet against you. That's two points. Brings you back three to seven. <laughs> yeah, th- seven to three, and it's rigged in my favor. Okay. Easily. I am now, I'm now <laughs> part of that. It's not the Illuminati, but Victor has seen the cracks in this game. Oh my God! <laughs> he's he's blowing your doors off and he's complaining. I know. <laughs> See, and and after this, no one can ever say that I don't make it easy for the the challengers as well. As we go into loose cannons, next and final question: <sighs> the Dude. Pat Benatar video for Love Is a Battlefield. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was prepped to know that that I should that he was gonna. <laughs> 
<laughs> I should brush up on my pet. You know, I actually going to do that. <laughs> Please continue. Can't say I didn't warn you. Uh, I didn't think it was a real warning, but uh, uh, the answer is Greg Giraldo for everything. That's the only thing I know. Craig Giraldo was a comedian. Oh, shit. What's the guy that worked for Patty Benatar? I don't even know that. Neil Giraldo. Neil Giraldo, whatever. Some Giraldo. That has nothing to do with this. Good. Good. Pat Benatar's video for Love is a Battlefield was the first music video to feature speaking parts and a storyline. In the main scene, Pat and a group of female dancers do battle with whom? Well, Chris, I think it's pretty easy to say that Loose Cannon knows his Pat Benatar, but what do you think? You need some points. It doesn't matter, but I'll I'll bet against him. All right. In a desperate move, Chris Sinzak bets against Loose Cannon. So in the video, in the main scene, Pat and her group of dancing friends do battle against, is it a priest, the police, a pimp, or angry parents? Wow. Dramatic pause so he makes people think he doesn't really know the answer. <laughs> That's right. Uh, man, I'm going to go with angry parents. That is incorrect. What? Come on! Pat and pimp. the ladies are beating down a pimp. Wow, see it? Okay, see I did not know my Pat Benatar as you uh, somehow knew. I guess if you really wanted to be a closeted fan and you really didn't want people to know with that much of a lead, you could throw one. (laughs) But Chris does get a point because he did bet against you. And Chris, you get the final question here. After receiving backlash to the mislabeling of this band during a 2014 intro to an episode of The Simpsons, Bart can be seen writing blank is not death metal on the chalkboard. What band is he writing? Luce Cannon, you think he knows this in the final question? Sure, he knows it. All right, he's not betting against you. He's not giving you the chance to tie it up. But you can score some points for glory. Is Bart Simpson writing, Judas Priest is not death metal. Alice Cooper is not death metal. Iron Maiden is not death metal. Or Ozzy Osbourne is not death metal. Mm, I'll say Alice Cooper. That is incorrect. The answer is Judas Priest. Apparently, they referred to Judas Priest as death metal on an episode, and people freaked out. And so the next week, to respond, they had Bart writing on the chalkboard over and over again, Judas Priest is not death metal. You don't want to be represented by misrepresented by cartoons. Very important. (laughs) Well, here you go. You question the integrity of the show, but you have won this game Seven to four. Loose cannon. Congratulations. How do you feel? Oh, like I said, it's just, it's just, I'm going to have to play this back for my family, for, <laughs> for everything. And this is just, this is just one of those things you, you just talk about and you, uh, later on in your life, you play this episode for, for, for my kids, grandkids. So thank you very much. This is just, every, my dreams have been fulfilled. Everybody <laughs> deserves a moment like this in their lives. I feel like singing um, uh, Wish Upon a Star right now. Please don't. <laughs> Make Gene Simmons proud. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. But go ahead and uh, plug Cobras and Fire real quick while you, before while we have you on the line. Oh, 
Yeah, I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, Cobras and Fire is a comedy rock talk show with absurd discussions about music, life, and a mix of classic artists and bands on the rise. Join us as we make fun of what we love. That was just off the cuff. I can't believe it, man. Listen to him. And I couldn't even remember how to do our little two-sentence catchphrase. <laughs> Pathetic. By the way, along with our normal show, our interview episodes include members of Judas Priest, Kiss, Anthrax, Motley Crue, and more. Basically, we make fun of what we love, and then we interview the people, too. Like, uh, we make fun of Eddie Trunk, and then he's on a couple weeks later. So it's a fun show. We do a little bit of everything. That's awesome. You should just start making fun of every, you know, everybody you wish to have on the show if that's the way it works. Yeah, our, our kind of thing was, you know, if we get them on the show, great. But, uh, you know, we want to have our, our silly talk about anything, so we don't want to just spare, you know, any kind of uh, opinion. You just don't send them a whole lot of clips of stuff where they were mentioned in the past <laughs> right before the interview, right? Yeah, I, I guess we don't. I mean, come on. Who listens to us anyway? <laughs> You're actually going to do a research? You get you get solicited by a, a podcast called Cobras and Fire? The fact that you actually say yes is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But no, we love you guys. You guys have been with us for a long time. You know, we're proud of what you've created and you've kept it going for sure. And it's a great show. I think everybody listening to this definitely knows who Cobras and Fire is. Are you sure about that? But that sounds good. It they sounds do know. Good. They yeah, do know. That's right. That's now right. that Lots you're a true champion too. and have beaten the geek. Who is that guy that knows? Did anybody actually make points from getting things right? I think the only points were like the other person getting it wrong. <laughs> I don't know. There was a good stretch there in the middle where nobody was doing nothing. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> I'm surprised your score even was able to get up to seven. But that kiss round, man, that makes a big difference. That's why it's special. That's why it's got theme music or at least a yeah, theme what- sound. Yeah, we just need to do all kiss questions all the time. <laughs> no, I can't do that. I am not committed to something like that, not even with a K. <laughs> committed with a K.